You are listening to TV on the Throne, a Game of Thrones podcast brought to you by TVAteMyDinner.com. Brave men, all of you, butchered a woman pregnant with a baby. Cut the throat of a mother of five. Slaughtered your guests after inviting them into your home. But you didn't slaughter every one of the Starks. No, no. That was your mistake. You should have ripped them all out, root and stem. Leave one wolf alive and the sheep are never safe. When people ask you what happened here, tell them the North remembers. Tell them winter came for House Frey. You're listening to TV on the Throne. My name is Sean. I'm here with Andrew. Closer. Talking about <laughs> season seven. Dragonstone. Very first episode named Dragonstone. That's right. They're very significant. They're really good at naming the episodes because the episodes are like dead on exactly what everything is about. Yeah, and especially this every, one. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, the the whole culmination of everything happens there as far as where the story is is going. It becomes it becomes the most strategically important place in the world all of a sudden in this episode. It was kind of weird getting into this episode because watching it, because I'm like, oh yeah, Game of Thrones. I was like excited, but then it's like it's been so long. But I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what's one of these episodes like? And I I ended up watching the first. No, the, I started like way too late. I was like, I'll watch all the episodes again. And I got about like three episodes in season one. I was like, I'll watch season six again. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> And get to ease into it. That helped because I actually, I don't think I, I mean, whatever we watched last time, and I probably watched each episode a couple times, but I enjoyed it. It was fun when you watch it all together. I was like, this is solid. Again, that show gets, it's really, I mean, I like doing what we do, like week to week, and it's fun to discuss it and think about it and read articles and stuff. But it's all, when you go back and watch it again, like a year later, just all together, it's like, this is so solid. This is pretty good. You forget about the bad parts. Especially having seen it all. Yeah. You, you could eat, like I, I don't think if I watched season three all the way through, it wouldn't bother me nearly as much as it did when I first saw it. It just moves. Because now you know what to expect, and then it's not as weird. Yeah, it's just the pace of it's really quick when you do that. Because they don't. Yeah, you don't feel like you have these drag on episodes because you're like drag on. Yeah, even the stuff but, like uh, even the stuff like the worst stuff of last year was like the Aria, the house in black and the black and white and all that stuff that were like a little disappointed. But when you watch it, not remembering expectations you had and not even remembering the problems you had with the season, 
and you just watch it, you're like, well, that was pretty quick. Who cares? That's pretty good. And then you. Well, especially the payoff this season, we can tell we're already going to get that. Right. And, 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 and I mean, that, that, that is. Watching it again, it is weird because I there is something. It's unfair always to judge something by what it's not. I mean, we do that all the time. That's kind of reconstructive criticism, I guess. But mm-hmm. that's like reductive yeah. criticism, because like, we because we're judging it for what we wanted it to be instead yeah. of what it was trying. to you be. You do wish they're they spent a lot of time like just they spent a lot of time in that montage, really just establishing that she could beat that girl in the dark. That's what it felt like all the scenes are about when you watch him again. You're like, for that one <laughs> moment. But really what they should have been setting up is her really learning how to do the faceless man thing. Like, secretly or something. Yeah. Like what Sam, because we now see that she's a super expert. Yeah, right? like what Sam's doing we're now. not even sure. You know what I mean? Like how he's like secretly getting all this knowledge. Although, if I could offer a note, though, on the Sam thing, I think... His montage in this episode was unnecessary. He didn't like it. Like, I don't. I think. I think once or twice when we see a poop shot, we get it. It's terrible to have to to clean up other people. I thought it was poop, kind of funny. But I, I didn't even need to upsell that to me that much. I was already on board. Yeah. So it's after a while you're like, okay, now they're actually showcasing different kinds of turds that he is throwing out. We get it. It's gross. Oh, we'll get to that. Let's do that. Let's go back. Let's go with locations, I guess, because that makes the most sense. Well, let's start yeah. at the beginning. The, the, their cold open starts with, with Arya. Yeah, and the twins. But it also seems like it's, it really feels like... I'm glad they mentioned in that behind-the-scenes thing that they didn't have it at the beginning at first. But then it was so crazy. I kind of am glad they did because it feels like a part two of the scene we already saw last year. Well, especially since we leave off there and then we start with him so you know exactly what's going on. You're like, ooh, like this is a whole new level for her because she's him now. And then that's what they were saying. The performance was just so amazing by him that you got those nuances that you could tell it wasn't him. Right. And that really sold that the whole idea of how far Arya has come. And just the extent of which, like, she's pulling her own red wedding, except she's having them do it to themselves. It's very poetic. Very Herodotus, because she made him eat his sons in the last episode. That's very much like it. Right. Like, I, I wanted to get Lynn on after that. It's like, this is straight out of Herodotus. This is some, some sick stuff, but it's, like, these actually happened, these stories. Not, you know in this particular way but yeah and it helped me too because the problem i always had is like how that that place is man stuff we we're like well i don't just do voices and like your body mass and all stuff and then but this is the first time she's i mean i guess she she's always been like girls right like little girls like mm-hmm. and and but it was always kind of cheating it and this time it just really cheated it but then i just but it led me to the conclusion because it's just like oh this is like some kind of glamour thing that we can't see you know what I mean? Like it's some kind of well. If you watch the scene, that, though, like first of all, he's wearing this this really heavy robe, and I'm pretty sure in the scene when you see her step away from the table, she steps down from something. Right. Maybe like so. I, I do think that she's accounting for the physical mass a little bit there. Like she couldn't just look like it. Like she couldn't look like the mountain. Right. Or that's at least the sense that I got from it, that she had to a little, like, to approximate. It's not like he's walking around in the room. He's standing in that one staged position. And then it looks like she comes off of, like, some. And I guess the voice is the big thing that we just learned now, that I guess it changes yeah, your Yeah, that's the, the magic. Yeah. That's the glamour. 
Because she's not just learning how to do it. But since it was so extreme that I don't have those quibbles anymore, that makes sense, you know what I mean? Because when it was like very similar, but I was like, but that's totally different from her. I was like, but how does this work? But now that's totally different. I'm like, yeah, who cares? She could be anybody now. I don't really care. But they got to watch this. It's it's like a graduation level. Yeah, it makes you wonder, like, what happened? Because she walked away from that place with what seems like license to do this, even though it's not what she... It's not what they were training her to do. Well, that that's the thing, too. Is she gonna, I mean, I, 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 even watching it again, I still believe that the way he reacts at the end, which is, I am Arya, it's dark, the house went around, I'm going home, he smiles. Like, I feel like that was his plan all along, is try to, he wasn't intending her to be a part of the thing, but does he intend her to use their, like, methods? Is that this something that's going to bite her yeah, in the butt? Yeah, exactly. At all? Or? It seems like you're getting the best of both worlds. Yeah, like, it's great that you decided to hold on to your identity, but then you still held on to the ability to pretend to be other people. So it's a very strange... That's not exactly as cathartic as we had intended. That's what I mean. Is he going to come after at some point? You know what I mean? Is that going to be some weird... I don't know. I don't know. Is she on borrowed time by, because of that? I, I don't know. You could see that yeah. happening. Like, and there's a whole story there we don't know. So that's, that's interesting. Hopefully we'll see a little bit of that in this season. Yeah. Besides, because we already see her hook up with, like, King's Landing knights and pop stars. Yeah. Well, then we cut, but right after that, we cut to an awesome just little vision first that we have giant White Walkers, or Whites, I guess. They're not the White Walkers. Uh, There's two or three of them, and it's like, that's pretty cool. (laughs) Like, yeah, zombie giants. It's like, ah, I keep telling you guys, like, we don't want to fight them when we're not ready because whoever they kill becomes one of theirs. They're smart this time showing that that it's like a vision of brand so you don't have to place it because, like, you guys can't show people walking toward the wall again because (laughs) if you do that, (laughs) it just took brand. Like, what's what's her name? Just just uh, hauled brand's butt all the way there in a few days or whatever it is, you know, so you can't have this whole army barely get there. So, but you don't know when that is. That could be somebody made the point that it looks like because I like how the effect is like you see the storm ahead of them, like blowing. I remember because that's what John said. He's like he brings this storm or something, and then it's like they're walking on grass, and it's like kind of turning to ice as they walk on it. And if they're walking on grass, that means they're like south of Winterfell. Well, it makes you wonder too, unless there are some places that are a little yeah. bit on the other side of the wall, but further over. That they're not completely frozen already, but but yeah, the the idea that though they'll never get past the walls, like they clearly are. This is going to happen in the show, right? If it hasn't happened already, because that's what the old maester was saying. I wonder how far, like, how long does it take to get from the wall to uh, to Winterfell? Because I'm sure they they at least have ravens. You'd think sooner or later, like sooner rather than later, you would hope that he's going to get a message at this point. That that Brandon Stark just showed up. It can't be much of a raven away to to send a message to say that you know, hey, Brandon Stark just showed up at the wall, right? You know, at Castle Black, I assume. And that's what you get. What that's what um yeah. I mean, we'll cut. To, let's just jump to that. It's out of order, but let's jump to the um the Jon Snow stuff. I mean, I, hold on. Well, let's let's talk about Cersei and them real quick. There, that that is actually interesting for this because. We we the, because it's the beginning of the season we get to see like a um uh, a nice exposition map on the floor there <laughs> where they're just like yeah. and it's helpful but you do realize because you go in from you watch the end of the last season you're like man Cersei's got all his power and you go into this season like yeah and then you go no <laughs> everybody well, hates possibly him. do yeah that's like Jamie's that's what we were saying like Cersei's not smart enough like. 
to handle this. Like she's so vicious right. that she'll she'll kill herself because like that's what Jamie's trying to say. Is like I have some concept of strategy here, and we don't have any allies at all. Like bringing in the Greyjoys is a step in the right direction, I guess. That's why I love. He doesn't like it because I like Jamie's line, the romantic though. element. Jamie's line because he's like, "I'm the so and so seven king," and he's like three at best. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a we've made enemies everywhere, and this is what happens. Yeah, and 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 they people talk about. I like how seeing Euron's a little bit better now. He's like they said. People, he's got a personality injection now. I like now that he like dresses like a rock star and all this stuff. He's an interesting character, <laughs> and he's trying to woo. Like I will come back and make you my. Bride. But see, those are the entertaining scenes. I mean, that's what Game of Thrones is to me because it's, I've heard people talk and they're talking about they're worried about this season being a bunch of like, um, you know, just place setting. You know, getting people in place for the last season, but. Every Game of Thrones season is that, though. Right? The hopefully... What's sort of what we were saying? Like, people don't realize is, like, that is the story. Yeah. Like, these conversations that set up the battles, the story is not the battles. The story is all of these intrigues, that, that these character moments. Like, yeah. It only feels wasted when they are just sitting around, like, sort of spinning their wheels because they're on their way to a place. Right. But most of the time... The conversations and the dynamic that get them there is that's what you're watching the story for. The dragon's just popcorn. Yeah, and that's what we always loved. We say it again in the second season when we started doing the shows. Like, we love the idea that each scene, I mean, yeah, functionally for a plot, you need to get Tyrion with her, you need to get so and so there. That's what's happening. All that's what's happening in any story. <laughs> but, like, we always like the idea that, well, we know that has to happen in this scene, but. The whole point is that there's an interesting way they get there, and that it's because of character, like it's because of character moments, you know. And you get cool character moments, and then that's what kind of yeah. turns the action towards a different direction, and not. And just, you want to see these big. They have these awesome fights and everything, and you want to see that too. But, but that's in every kind of fantasy world. Right. Like that's not what makes this story interesting. You know, it's it's seeing the people, and they have so many awesome actors. They brought in Jim Broadbent. Yeah, is in this this episode. He's pretty cool. I love the as the most frustrating character for Sam. <laughs> yeah. It's like I believe you completely. I just don't think it's that big he's a deal. A, it's like that's worse. Climate denier, whatever. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, the problem is that's normalcy bias because he has all the proper logical arguments. He's like, look, bad times come. We're here for the bad times. Right. It'll be fine. It always is. We always weather the winter. It's like, yeah, but don't we weather the winter because we're always working at that? Like, well, and they base it on like that's a, like the the too big to fail argument. Like, but that's because there's always been groups like this that are always on the job. We don't just sit around when winter comes. And go well, I guess just you know take a jacket. That 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 goes into yeah. That's that's almost like an argument of you could people like religion versus science or whatever you know too. It's like it's a dumb to argue because they're the same thing really. Because in the end, if you have science. And I'm not saying religion like what you think, but just like everything's a mystery. Like we might know the structure of stuff, but you get beyond that, and you're like, what? Who knows? And like he's basing his whole argument. It's like, but we got a big supernatural wall. It's like, hold on. <laughs> I thought you guys are the reasonable ones saying White Walkers don't exist, but you're planning all of your like confidence in the fact that there's a big supernatural wall that'll never fall there. <laughs> it's, like, it's it's such a beautiful metaphor too, because it is a too big to fail argument. There, the whole kingdom is like, we we have that wall. We don't have to worry. It's like, yeah, but. You haven't put any resources on that wall. Back in the day, 
like we had that wall fully manned yeah for a reason it wasn't just the wall there's castles all along the wall the wall is just a wall but there's castles full of men along those walls that's what they're supposed to be doing and we don't have that anymore it's, we have the illusion that we have the same level of protection it's it's just the it's the real estate market it's like but that market was too big to fail it was it was infallible because of the way it was approached, because it was based on something real. And then you guys started breaking it up and turning into securities that weren't based on things real, and the system failed. And that's what's happening with the wall well, in Westeros right now. I even think it's more applicable to just... Because they started... It was like episode three, they went to the wall, and they started talking about we don't have enough people to man it. Like, this issue has been there from the beginning. Like, this thing is happening. They've been harping oh, yeah. on this. But it really took this year. This is literally like a metaphor now for American politics. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, norms are there. Things are there. People have always done stuff this way. And against normal opponents, against normal things. But when you come out of the norm, when you're a white walker, when you're these things that nobody's accounting for, you're like, oh, yeah, those actually institutions sometimes don't survive in the face of just out of the box. Thing. You know what I mean? Like... Like, oh, yeah, it always survives. Like, well, no, you haven't had an opponent that doesn't give a damn. The White Walker doesn't give a damn about the stupid wall there. Like, you know, whatever, you know. So I, I think it's just an interesting affable allegory for just – it just in general, just that, that kind of the, – the tendency, like you said, it took a thousand years here. It only takes – Sometimes five years in America for that to happen, but do you get used to the idea of like, no, everybody's in charge, normal, normal people well, are I running don't th things, and it's fine. <laughs> I'm not trying. They're sort. They're they're going for this as a direct allegory, but it is it climate change is sort of a oh no, I think it totally is yeah metaphor there because it's literally climate change that they're denying. <laughs> they're like, oh yeah, it's fine though. It's like, but no, like winter isn't just winter, you know. I mean. Terrible things come with. Well, that's the a good point, and they're real. That's a good point because this is supposed to be like a mythology, like for. I mean, is this the same? No, this isn't supposed to be like a weird, but like the idea that maybe that's what's causing this twelve-year winter is the it's the White Walkers, right? So if like if it's caused by them or they're a not a man-made, but they are a being-made thing problem, right? Because the fairies made them, and because men were fighting them, so it could be man's fault. And it's like, it's like, if we just stop that, we don't have to worry about winter, crazy winters anymore. It'd just be normal again, maybe. Yeah. Well, it is like, yeah, we, this is, the White Walkers are real and we caused them. <laughs> it's like, like the climate Nobody's denying that completely. it's getting colder. Okay. We're just saying <laughs> that's a natural yeah. cycle. <laughs> Could have happened for any kind of reasons. Could have been fairies. Who knows? All I know is that people didn't cause it. So there's no reason to change our behaviors. I'm back on the... Um, Which is kind of funny because there's a, a complacency of, of society sort of argument there because uh, up in King's Landing, you know, when it's so much further south where the winters are not nearly as bitter, they barely see the effect of winter even in the sense of, of the weather shifts. Right. Like, so they're very overconfident in terms of... Plus another thing that I don't know that this is... I don't know that this is geared towards a, a political kind of uh, metaphor either, but one thing that's important to remember in th this new kingdom, there isn't a regime that lasts long enough to see any of this stuff come to fruition. So it's all just folklore for whatever the new administration is. Like if you had like a kingdom where it had been ruled by the same people for a hundred years, then they go, well, we remember when it was that bad. But these are people who've inherited problems and solutions from other administrations. So it's all abstract to right. them. 
the things that work just naturally work. The things that don't work aren't really our problem. Right. And and that's that is sort of keyed into to what's wrong with politics in general. And not, I'm not talking about American politics. I'm just talking about in general. Aside from you know actual authoritarian like governments, any democracy has a shift in power periodically, and everyone comes in with a new set of ideas. So you do lose a little bit of that legacy, right. and that's what they have in Westeros. Happens because you know they actually have upheaval every few years. But it's the, but it's true. I mean, ever since the Targaryens, there hasn't been a stable regime of any kind. Right. Like Roberts was the closest, but we only think that because he was king when the story started. He hadn't well, been king very been long. Like eight years, seven years, or something. <laughs> yeah, the longest period that we had post Targaryen. Yeah. So, it's not. I do like. I do like how. I mean, I don't know what Cersei's. It's interesting to see what Cersei's plan is now because. But I do like. I like that can be back, and I think Jamie's back on the right track. Good old. I'm old Jamie apologist, but. I think he's well, like his. He has a. His, he's like the hound. You, you want yeah. to see. He's the terrible person that seems to be developing something of a conscience, and you want to see that because that's real growth as a character. Yeah, I love that exchange between them because he's like, "Okay, that's great. Stop talking about all this exposition. Like, what our kid committed suicide. Do you want to mention that?" She's like, "We don't talk about that. What do you mean?" He's like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "I like that," and she's like, "Were you scared of me?" It's like, "Should I be? I don't know." What he's he's acting well, very yeah. normal. Like I like how he's acting, and then I like how they're even driving a wedge between. <laughs> Euron has the worst burn of him, where he says, "I'm there with a thousand ships and two hands," or whatever. It's like, "Oh, that's <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> that's a, that's yeah. really rough." He already doesn't like you. Which is sort of a problem because Cersei has like like the fatal flaw is always this this weird overconfidence in that I can outthink so that I don't have to feel right and that's she's always wrong. Tywin she got that from Tywin. He was wrong in the end, but she doesn't have the power that he had. He was wrong in the end, but he had more reason to believe it to be true because he had gained more power. Cersei has a throne and she thinks that means something. Like if we're two people, if. Everyone in King's Landing decided that we weren't the regime anymore, then we wouldn't be. Like, you can have the zombie mountain, but he's not going to protect you from everybody in the world. Well, what's the cool thing like, now? So, we had to play it smart. With that, is that we have, we finally have the showdown. It's, who cares? It's not Daenerys at this point. Daenerys is going to deal with other people. I mean, she doesn't care about the Lannisters as much. I guess she does, but Daenerys. She will, yeah. Yeah, but it's, this is, this is. Tyrion versus Cersei now, like strategy wise, and what's going to happen? You know what I mean? Like we get to because she thinks he she she doesn't. I mean she just. I mean not like underestimates him and all these other things. Thinks he's just some kind of whatever. You know what I mean? Like she's always been a snob to him, mm-hmm. and he's the one that saved him all those times. And I don't know if part of her knows that or does, she's smart enough to know that how smart he is, but she never. As a, I don't think so because I think that that's like the Taiwan thing that, that that overconfidence makes you overlook stuff like that. Like you just think it's just like oh we have the wall we never have to worry about winners. Like yeah, but they never had to worry about winners because they were doing things to protect themselves. You're coming into that thinking that they just sat around doing nothing and everything was fine. You're coming in thinking that we're entitled. 
to be protected from that sort of thing that we don't have to work for. And that's that was what she got from Taiwan, and she has it even worse. It's like, you think now that we've come to power that that means something, and we don't have to earn it. We don't have to earn the love of the people, and we don't have to actually maintain our alliances. You think that now that you have that throne, you actually get to do whatever you want to whoever you want. That's what killed Joffrey, too. Right. Well, and but and like if you look at it, like people in the show, you can say they're winning the game or Game of Thrones and all that stuff. But her only weapon has been is that I mean, it's again, this goes to that weird political kind of. Her only weapon has been sheer surprise, like the audacity to do stuff that nobody else does, right? Because that's what she did. I mean, anybody could have blown yeah, up the thing, but she just did it. And I was like, whoa! But that's not actual strategy. That's not actually thinking about a situation and reacting appropriately. If you if you compare it. I mean, we 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 get, when we were so worried about Tyrion like being like making bad decisions last last season. I mean, you watch it again; that part goes by fast, doesn't really hit, and he kind of screws up a little bit, but not really. It's not really his fault. And she gets back and she's mad, but she's such a great leader. Those are great scenes between those two because she's like she's pissed, but he's like, listen, this is she. She doesn't just disregard him and say you tried, you had your chance. You know, she listens to him again in the face of something that he might have caused the well, situation. That's and then, wisdom. Yeah. Well, so the wisdom her, is, look, you may have done the best thing there was to do at the time. We don't know. Right. Like, just because it didn't go our way doesn't mean that you made the wrong choice. That's that's the wisdom of leadership right there. Say, so look, well, sometimes, and it, and it I mean, funny anybody it, can look back and say, based on the result, like, oh, this was good or bad based on now that I know what was going to happen. Well, of course, that doesn't require any kind of strategy or cunning at all. I mean, some people don't have the ability to do even that, but... But it, it takes a person with with a certain amount of, of leadership to say, look, there are all right. kinds of things going on, and you did something. And it may have been the best possible thing. It certainly was better than doing nothing at all. I think we were just so worried about the show taking a dumb turn. Like, I just don't like when you know dumb drama. You're like, no, this is stupid. And it didn't. This this show's... And this, and this whole episode kind of continually proves that. It's, it's not taking... Except for a couple, we'll talk about a couple instances in a second, but it doesn't take a dumb, you know, direction. It's, it's pretty stable in how it represents the people. Let's talk about Winterfell then. Well, and they're really good with their characters that right. way, because, like, you can see, like, man, Cersei's really messing up. It's like, but I understand exactly why she thinks this is the right thing. Like, that is her sort of Achilles heel, is her inability to be, to have any level of empathy for anyone else, because it makes her, it makes her bad at forming relationships. And if you want to be in charge of anything, you have to be able to do that. She's Joffrey was like the even worse version of her, but they had the same thing. Someone gave me this power, and now I don't have to listen to anybody. It's like, you don't understand how power works. You have the greatest responsibility of all right. now to listen to people and work with people. Being in power sucks because you don't get to do whatever you want. You all of a sudden become responsible for everybody. Right. That being said, how well that thing is, let's talk about Sansa for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little nervous about where they're going with her because they keep trying to, to poke this thing that she and John are going to have this this falling out that what's, and little what's so anticlimactic too though because that's why it's weird it's like a slow motion car wreck if that is the case because it's like it's not even applying that right now because she's you know turning them away but even that that before that we we were mad last year and this is the part of the last season that remains bad. I still get so frustrated with their conversation, with the whole part about like not telling her about the knights, him about the knights of the Vale. It like killed hundreds of people, right, because of that situation. And 
that this is because it's so I hear find the situation in real life so many times that that the war count so they're having the war count so this is season six and they all talk for like a ten yeah. minute scene and then everybody leaves she doesn't say shit and she complains that nobody is listening like, to her but she doesn't tell them like the yeah. biggest well she, she says nobody listening first just talk no everybody's just talking first of all. You're here. If you're here, you can talk. (laughs) And second of all, you're in the war council. And it's like almost comedic because second of all, she goes, John's like, fine. What do you what do you think we should do? He's like, I don't know. She's like, I don't know. Well, well, hold on. I think they had some some fun human moments, though, as as siblings in this. And I hope that they keep that. I hope they're not trying to push it too far because they have a really good falling back where he says do you but do you really think i'm like like joffrey and then they kind of have a little bit more where they come together as human beings and say well no but what they fail to do is they just like look i'm not saying don't say that stuff but could you just you know hit me up in pride right. and that's right and she's calling t- me out in front of everybody and she's totally wrong for that i think doing that because it's not about he can she can talk to him anytime it's just that's kind of a anti against what we're trying to do here. We're trying to unite everybody, and we're arguing in front of them. But yeah, you're making me maintain that position but, because I can't be weakened. And the part of, when I'm yeah, the part of me that's worried is the part of us that's worried about Littlefinger. Like Littlefinger wasn't a part of this, and they weren't trying to get that to be a thing. I'd be like, who cares? This is just them. And I hope it is. Yeah, a, it seemed just like normal. Yeah, I hope it is just a but subtle surely, thing. I mean, she knows what he's like, so they're. That can't be where this is yeah, headed, maybe, where but, he's going to manipulate yeah, her. Yeah, maybe. She's so hip to him at this yeah, point. Yeah, and hopefully what's just the best case scenario is that it's exactly what we want, is that they both are smart enough to just kick Littlefinger out. And, and Because I like them having conflict, because I because that scene kind of gets annoying, but when they come out of it, I'm so glad they did that, because when they're arguing, it's so great, because she does have some really great points, and he has some really great points, but they also have a little bit too much attitude, and she's like... They're both throwing each other a little too much sass, even though it's like, just, you guys got to communicate. She's like, you're not even looking at the South. Like, Sansa, don't say it like that. So you guys, you could just say, that's a great idea, but it's further off than the zombie king. (laughs) That's where where he's right. It's like, the zombie king is closer and scarier. It's It's not that, from your perspective, Cersei Lannister is scarier because you've seen her up close. But then it's like, you've never seen the White Wall. But then you're watching that, and it's like, they should, they're leading together. It's like, you worry about her, I'll worry about them. How about that? Let's do that. That's fine. That's what they should be doing. It's like, why don't you get together with Littlefinger and the Knights of the Vale and come up with a Cersei contingent? Well, you feel that's going to happen. Not worry about the zombies. Essentially, because all the scenes in the trailer are him up north fighting. So he's going to leave well, you at want some that point. To happen she's going to be there. as an arrangement, yeah. though. You don't want that to where she breaks away and says, "Well, I'll just take my own army and I'll do whatever." No, but it's I like, think come on, this once is, he, he'll leave, and then this is where you really have the opportunity. Like she says to him, and she's right. Like, don't play this stupid, because that's what happened to Rob and Dad. Oh no, that's a great. It's point. Like, that's the that literally is the most the best point in game. That's what I'm saying. I'm so pissed at her, and I don't like those character moments from her. But she just made the she just said the most genius wisdom filled thing of the show. <laughs> I mean, it's like she's been watching the show, <laughs> you know. Yeah, she goes, that's yeah, why that, you want you know, her to, to follow dumb. her own advice when it comes to Littlefinger. <laughs> like, like, well, make sure that you remember that when you think that you have a handle on Littlefinger, because that's one thing, you know, especially Ned Stark more so than than Rob. It's not like he trusted everybody. He just thought he had a better better handle. On the situation. Like, he right. thought he had Cersei figured out. He's like, I've, I've got you. I've got the proof. 
and I'm going to be the better person, and you can just pack up your kids and get out of here. And she's like, I've got one better for you. <laughs> it's like, we'll take your proof, we'll burn your proof, and we'll kill you and your family and everybody. Yeah. Because he underestimated her ruthlessness. Yeah. And, and how far her reach could extend. He thought he had her under control. He didn't trust her to do anything. He just thought that he had her under control. Yeah. And so... Rob probably just trusted too many of the wrong people. Well, obviously he did. He trusted the phrase. Yeah, I mean, if that stuff borders, if the Littlefinger stuff kind of lasts any longer, it's bordering on melodrama. Like, I like how she rebuked him. So I think next week we need to just go. They, they did. There's a shot in the trailer of him like throttling him. I'm like, yes, John get pissed at Littlefinger. So I want to see. Yeah, maybe they just need to like, but they can't. They need the soldiers though too. Though that's kind of the problem, right? They need the Knights of the Vale. Well, they need anybody Maybe. who will swear allegiance to, to that cause. That's the whole problem. Is Even now, like Littlefinger and, and the Knights of the Vale, they still haven't seen the tangible threat of the White Walkers. Don't you? And that's, that's the problem that he keeps having to face. Like, on one hand, we're talking about this. That's the most important thing in the world. But, but like with, with Sansa, she thinks Cersei is because some part of her still doesn't really... Get, like doesn't really believe that this is the actual threat that it exists right and that's the hardest thing that they've had since the very beginning of the show we're like sending zombie hands in a jar to, to king's landing going can you please send us some men send us, we're asking you send us your criminals no no, no not even the good ones just don't execute people but i do like how they're just john just cutting to the chase now like he's in power now and he's not under He's like, we're going to do this is what we need. First, we need dragon glass. Figure it out. We need to mine it. We need to get it. We need to do it. And that just gave me a great reason to go meet Daenerys, too. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, especially once he gets the raven from Sam. It's like, oh, we just discovered a, a literal mountain of dragon glass, which is what we said we needed. Yeah. And it's in, now that we say it out loud, the most obvious place possible. It's, it's in Dragonstone. Yeah. I, apparently, I left. If I have any argument there, it's like it seems like now all this information is way too easy to find. I know he's at the Citadel, which means they have better books. But he's like, you know, the Targaryens used to just decorate their weapons with this. Like, that seems like that could have been more common. Knowledge. I like how, like, uh, I mean, these are really these are big, impressive, and intimidating tomes of knowledge. But when he finds information, when anybody ever finds, I mean, I know it's visually, but it's like it's amounting to just that looks like a cool picture. What's that the picture about? Oh, cool. That's what we need. <laughs> Nobody's reading chapter exactly. after chapter. We literally see him see a picture and read the caption <laughs> with like. Well, that's definitely that's a movie convention for us. Infographic like, that says to visually show us. us here. <laughs> oh, here we go. Finally, and it's it's even even outlined in black. It's the one so page in know. color or whatever. You're like, oh, here it is. <laughs> It's like a big red X on this giant black spot of Earth. Yeah. So, but I will buy that, you know, just because that's exactly the reason he went to the Citadel is because they had all these books. And obviously, he doesn't have to have the super secret books to learn most of what he needs to know. And I guess is that, is he done there? Because what else does he need to know there? <laughs> In a way, that would be kind of weird. It's like... I mean, I guess he can... Yeah, I know John wanted you to become a maester, but things have kind of, like, amped up a little bit. And I don't think he wants to be either. I think even that conversation with him and Jim Broadbent, which is a great, (laughs) gross conversation while he's at autopsy. Um, Yeah. He's basically saying that. He's like, I need to know this stuff, you know. 
and he's like, well, you're not a maester yet. And I was like, well, dude. <laughs> it's like, I don't need to know it in abstract. Yeah, yeah I've already all... done, like, the beginner level White Walker classes. I need the advanced stuff at this point for practical reasons. The only other thing that That's could help... That's where the, the, the futility of it. Well, that could help right now. Say, okay, we're on that, Sam. Thank you. You know, and that'll take a while to go meet them and prepare that and get that, get the mining, all that stuff going. The only other thing I can think of with him that's like if we talk about predictions is that they show Jorah there, right? So maybe something about yeah. curing him, but also something about what that disease means. Well, you, you, you know? wonder, like, maybe that has something to the, do with it. Maybe he's like invulnerable to the White Walkers or something. I don't know. That could be cool. I don't... Well, it'd be certainly interesting to see. Well, and you know, the. the the question is, what is the relationship between the, that affliction and, you know, the dragons and the dragon glass and all the kind of stuff? Because, you know, I mean, Stannis basically used unlimited resources to, to find right, someone yeah. who could treat his Stop daughter. It. But at the same time, they were there at Dragonstone. Like, that might not be a coincidence. Well, you maybe know, that's that, the, that, yeah, cure. That but, was yeah. the place where they were able to actually hold that affliction at bay. Like, so there may be something going on there. But there's got to be some think, lower part of it because that comes from people from Valyria. Valyria got killed by this, like, prophetic supernatural doom that nobody knows what it was. You know what I mean? And, like, it has to have something to do with the canon and with all of this. Just that disease yeah. in general. So... So hopefully they'll get into some of that stuff. That's that would be a lot of fun. So that makes sense that he might stay there for a while until they leave together. You know, because that's that, that. Well, like you said, now that they've introduced Jorah, there's a story reason for him to be there. There's not yeah. really an in-story reason for him to be there as much. Well, yeah, but that's exactly it. Because I mean, he said he wanted like Sam wanted to go there to talk about. I want to learn about stuff, and I was like, well, you found. I mean, really, there's two ways to kill him. You have the story, you have the glass. I mean, what else are you gonna do? It's like, it's like when he found yeah. the biggest cash that they got enough now. They got a mountain full of it. So now his argument would is sound if he thinks that there's some more lore that could do more than just show them how to stab a White Walker to right. death. It's like, like you said, there's like there there are mystical rites that seem to cause this to happen. Like maybe there's some well, stuff something we can that learn brand to needs, actually yeah, stop. The brand it. needs to know or something like that that could, yeah. Because it's that they got started with a ritual. Yeah, the so fact that there that is somehow. like an ancient country yeah. that was overcome by a magical disease that killed everybody and drove them all off. I mean, because you like, got well, there, yeah, there seems to be some information that we don't have yet. I mean, you got to imagine the end of this is also like the Lord of the Rings ending, right? It's where they win or whoever wins, whoever's left wins, but it also kind of just wipes the rest of magic away, basically, right? Like dragons and White Walkers and everything, and it's just men now. That's kind of how all those myths end. <laughs> so, um, maybe, yeah. Yeah, well, because that's the, the metaphor right. is this is how the world came to be. Like, all those things are metaphorical for some kind of force that shaped our world, and now this is how it became our world, and so they have to sort of fade away over time. Until, and it's just us. Until the spinoff is, like, in future cyberpunk, and then magic comes back. That's a, <laughs> yeah, Shadow Shadow Run. Run. That's what I mean, but they make Shadowrun in Game of Thrones lore again. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, I'm on board. Actually, that it's like, was, that's Game actually a great idea. Blade Runner. It's like, <laughs> I want that so bad. Now that you said it, and I should yeah. just call it Tits and Dragons. Actually, think about it. Just even Shadow. Yeah, that concept would be a great HBO show. Shadowrun. Damn, <laughs> that would be really. awesome. 
Well, you you saw the thing that they're now talking about doing Watchmen as a as yeah, an HBO. It's not show. far off. So, <laughs> I mean, tone wise. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, as far as as far as the kind of stuff that appeals to HBO is like, this has everything we like. I don't know why we didn't anything. Make this you show can make before. something with good drama, hard edge, and they can have like nudity in it, like just nor- and casually. It's, <laughs> and it's Lindelof. After the leftovers, I'd, I'd like to see what Lindelof would do with. With the with Watchmen, yeah, well, yeah, I'm excited about that. I do yeah, like when you start thinking about nudity in Game of Thrones. It's like they must have crap a brick when they figured out Westworld. It's like they can just be naked all the time on the tables, the whole time, and then yeah. they can be practicing sex and just the background sex back there. He's <laughs> like, yes, perfect. That's what we'll have glass that's walls. What the controversy glass was walls. immediately. It's like apparently <laughs> the the extras contracts are are extremely strict in terms of what they're required to do. Yeah. Yeah, there might be some kind of loophole <laughs> well, in those contracts. They don't have to say anything. Yeah, they don't have to act at all. <laughs> we're gonna get naked. <laughs> that's true. That's that's what they like. That's what HBO knows. It's like we want something that has a cerebral quality that will get people talking about story, but we want to put the least cerebral cosmetic elements at work so that we're you know, we're playing to the groundlings too. It's like it's something in every HBO show for everybody. Well, it's a good formula. It's like I mean people can watch it casually. The, the fact that they've made sure. a fantasy show mainstream and it's about to pass Walking Dead as the main yeah. show. Uh, by making it R-rated, that's the whole yeah. thing. We make everything R R-rated to make it mainstream. Strangely, well, but enough. it, it kind of works that way. I mean, this is like Shakespeare. If you make stuff that has interesting elements and deep enough, and it's well written, and all these things, but people criticize them for titillating and stuff. But you do that, it gets a lot of people to go, "Oh, like this is pretty good." I'll keep watching this. Yeah, because they don't have to understand that. They, like, they don't have to sit here talking about the inherent and the moment metaphor. you the moment you introduce a lot of magic in the world, always accompany it with nudity. When you have three dragons, nudity. When you have smoke <laughs> babies, nudity. See, it's it's, it's almost really like a, a formula. Smart idea. It's like, <laughs> yeah, we definitely underplay it so that there's never a point where those people like detach and say, "This is stupid." Yeah, they're like, "What like, is you, this?" We always oh, give on. them something to look at, a focal point. Like, hold on, wait a second. <laughs> that is actually brilliant. Well, that's what we always. I mean, they they used to do that formula. Remember, we used to talk. They don't do that anymore with the sex position. Every every scene that had like in the first season. Cersei would have been naked in that map scene or something. Out. You know, she'd have been like crawling on it or something. It's like, oh, it's the <laughs> yeah. West. And now they're just like, we don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, there will be plenty of other opportunities for naked ladies. Um. Yeah, so we get that. We get, yeah, we get that thing of that. We also we didn't mention brands back on the other side of the wall now. So that's cool. We said, but I like how he Ed asked him for like, who are you? And he said, how do you prove it? And he's like, I'll just tell you really creepy stuff about you. <laughs> and then I'll prove to you that I am. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't really. We give us a shit. I'm a three-eyed raven. Who cares what my name is? You're creepy, though. I'm just going to let you through. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah, let them in. Yeah, exactly. The creepier, the better. That's what we like. How did you feel about the, uh, the Aria? Everybody's made the biggest stink about the Ed Sheeran thing. Well, see, I don't know who but he know, is. That's, I know, that's my point, though. It's, music. it's so, so stupid. To my mind, it it, it wasn't conspicuous because... He looks like the a only person. That conspicuous, he was just singing, but they sing all the time in the show. He just sings and particularly he sounds, well. I think he sings, he looks like one of those dudes. 
He's like, yeah, and he sings. And he wasn't singing a pop song. He's he's singing like they do on the show when they have these little. He's songs. singing like a little weird English folk song, which sounds like a voice singing those songs. I was like, this is because it sounds like he sings. People are like, he's singing too modern. I was like, the Sigur Rose guy in that Reigns of Castamere, he sings like that too, right? You know, that song sounded like Reigns of Castamere. It's, it's actually from the. They have so many beautiful book. songs on the show. It's from. It's in the book. They say it's that one that they the guy writes about Tyrion and Shay. And then Tyrion singing yeah. it. I thought it sounded familiar. The that the what's the one that's go hands of gold. Hands of gold yeah. are always cold, but a woman's hands are warm. Yeah, I was like, and I that's know what, that. And that's what he sings as he kills her or whatever, or he's saying the words to it. But then um, now they're saying, well, it's not really about Tyrion, I don't think, but it could be about Jamie. That's actually the kind of weird thing they're talking about. Jamie, because these guys are kind of obviously well, not. That whole conversation was about Cersei and what was going on at Queen's Landing, and at King's Landing. I love that scene though because I thought he did fine, and when he had to act, he acted fine. I was He's like, fine. like that's the thing. I don't he didn't stand out to me. I don't like cultural opinions like that, where people like you read an album review and it's all about how it fits in the culture. Like, what does it sound like if I was ten and just found this? What does it sound? Who cares about this other stuff? I mean, I know that's important to guess, but if you're just you're just going, well, if it takes you out of the story, then yeah. But you recognize that guy because you already knew who he was. That's like criticizing them for having an actor that you know. I feel I mean, that's a little unfair. and it ruined the yeah. scene, that'd be different. But, I feel that's a little unfair, yeah, because like, well, that's Ian McShane. I was like, he's an actor. He's a he's an entertainer. They're all in this show. They're not real. I don't know what we're talking about here. If, <laughs> you know, everybody just well, you you called this a long time ago. Everybody wants everything to be a think piece. Right. Everything that well, happens, somebody has to yeah. make a comment. That's why the the poor kid has to drop off of Twitter. I feel bad for him. I was Twice like, a year. <laughs> like, leave him alone, man. And I don't and even know if he's in the But it's all around it in the making of it. It's all positive. The director's like, he was so nice. And they wanted to do him. They've been trying. They've been begging him to come on the show, Benioff and Wise, because Maisie Williams is like a super fan. And they're like, wouldn't be, uh-huh. they're like, wouldn't it be cool if we got him? They've known this girl since she was like eight years old. And they're like, wouldn't it be cool if we got him on a scene? It would work perfectly. He's like, he sings like that. And he looks like this thing. And it would work. And it'd be a nice little present to her and everybody. And he came and everybody's nice. And he's a super fan of the show. I was like, there's nothing but positivity here. And everybody just shits on it immediately when it comes. I was like, it wasn't even bad. Because we'd be the first to say it it was bad. You know what I mean? I'd say, yeah. Well, the thing is, like in episode seven, when the kanji club guys show up, I didn't know what they were from. But I'm like, this feels like a cameo scene. Because... These guys don't need to be here. Nothing. None of this needs to be happening right now. Are those guys from a movie? And then you're like, yeah, they're, they're from like the raid or something. Like, oh, okay, because it felt like that. This felt like a real scene. And I even felt that. This and I'm a, not. The- you could have had this scene anyway. And if you hadn't had him, you didn't write a cameo around him, or it didn't feel like it. And I even think it's funny because they have a couple of meta jokes in there too. She's like, "What is that one?" She's like, "It's a new one." <laughs> but like, it's a joke about like, well, he's a songwriter, you know. But also that. The, they, this show has had two songs in it for six years. And we're like, we need a new song. We need a third song in the mix of the or the fourth song, whatever it is. Um, I love that scene though it too is because true. It's, every time, like, how about the bear in the main fair? It's like, it's like, is there another song? We on have the that earth? rains of Casper and bear in the main fair. Those are the two songs. Um, but I like the fact too. That to me, it's just like I just felt the whole experience. Of that scene is very positive because she goes in there and you're really worried. You know. The whole time she looks at their weapons, they're looking at this <laughs> stuff. She's just gonna kill. I'm worried for them. Well, I'm just worried. It's just very I was tense. worried it's about a, it, for all of them. It's like a, it's like the you know we see the the bomb under the table in that scene where she we've seen her do that to a camp of people before. 
right? So you're like, mm-hmm. oh man, this is just, oh, this is, don't, they might get you. I, nah. And then it's just, oh, these guys are real people. Like we actually see a different side of soldiers. He was like, these are like suburb kids, you know, from, <laughs> from Castle Rock. They're like, we don't really want to be here. Like, we'll be nice to you. They're, we're not, yeah, they're like your average soldier. We don't know what started this war. Yeah, they don't care. And they're not like, want to rape every woman they see. And that's what you worry about in Game of Thrones. You're like, please don't. Please don't. And oh, it's like, God. it's yeah, kind of nice. Yeah, because that one dude looked a little sketchy at first. And he kept being a little sketchy. And then the he's the one that guy. laughs at her the most. I'm like, oh, that's great. Who cares? You're like, whew, okay. All Which right. makes you wonder what her actual motivation is there, because she was just, like, feeling them out. It's like, God, like, you're just dying to kill all these guys, aren't you? Because you just sort of planted that in the well, conversation that's, that's to a good see point. how it would play. And that's why she, like, it makes it fun, because it's not just Stone Queen, uh, you know, Arya, because, you know, she doesn't kill everybody. She leaves the, the, the wife and the servant girls, you know, and then also she... With these people, she... Well, she needed somebody to deliver that I know, but I'm just saying, you know, you could have done that a different way where she's just this ice... I like that idea that... I think this whole episode is about making people more human. In fact, even to one of the best scenes is when we get to see the Hound. That's like the best scene. That's that's, the best sequence of the episode. It's tragic. And so cool, they go back to the house. It's like such a throwaway moment from, what, season four or three? I think... That's such a perfect setting because that's the place where he finally sees the supernatural element that they keep telling about. Like, he sees something in the Lord of Light. Like, he's like, oh, it's all bullshit and whatever. Right. Like, look in the fire. What do you see in the fire? And finally he does see it. So he actually, in this moment where he's he has a, a sort of character, like a moral epiphany, he has a, an actual religious epiphany in the sense that he's being opened up to this larger world. Like, in a a smaller sense because he now feels bad about something he did and in a larger sense because he's actually opened up to this this grand supernatural larger world that that is way beyond what he would have accepted normally like because he's such an iconoclast and everything else like he doesn't remember the prayers of his own gods because he never cared before yeah and that that's also i mean because he's like yeah i killed these people and it's such a heartbreak and they see the little girl and the dad they like he killed both of them because they don't <laughs> he just comes rubs it in he's like way i figure it is he probably stabbed the little girl <laughs> I in the love throat the bro- brothers to keep her from starving to death <laughs> i think they're just so gruff and like oh we'll stay here and he's like i don't think we should he's like why not there's no fire it's like what do you mean Get over yourself, and they get in there, and they're just explaining stuff. And but that's what's so cool about this. This is what I say: like, there's been seasons like last year, the year before that, people like this show is just kind of dumb now. And I was like, I think this this episode. I mean, not a lot happened, and we haven't got into the kind of masterful Breaking Bad plot machinations yet, you know. But what I'll say is that just this scene alone, this whole sequence, just shows that it's just as good as season one or two. The fact that in the middle of this episode, they go, you know what? And this has nothing to do with you saw the pound you could just see him and move on not only did they have this whole idea with him and going through this thing and you know he already is at that point to feel remorse and i love how ian mcshane actually had an effect on him and all these things like he was my friend you know that, that you get the idea that they sit down and have this, this discussion about religion and gods and he's like why are you getting saved all these times and all this it's such a great and he's like i don't know it's like I. That's what I have to find out, and that's what we're gonna figure. I, that whole sequence well, and the whole conversation is fascinating. That's such a good exchange for them too, because what Clegane really wants to know is like, I think you're kind of a shithead. Why? What makes you special? And the guy's like, nothing. I don't know, because that's 
Because that's what they're trying to get him to embrace. It's like, you may think you're a terrible person. You might be a terrible person. But you may be capable of doing something great. You might be capable of doing something that's worthwhile. So sitting around and and just complaining about the fact that you feel like a bad person doesn't help anybody at all. At least well, try. And that's that's what we embody in this. Is like We're all kind of pieces of shit. You know what I mean? None of us is any damn good. But we got put to the task of this one important thing, and at least we're going to try to get that one thing right. What I love what they do with the Hound, and that's why the bad characters that were like did a lot of horrible stuff early on the first season of the show. Um, anytime they have an inkling of good, you know, it, the actors play it so subtly, and we're like, "Up, oh, I become an apolo- we become apologists for them," you know. <laughs> but it's true though; it's not like a red herring because the people that are bad, like Cersei's had moments of humanness, which has always been bad. Like some moments of humanness, she's lying in those moments. So who cares? But like <laughs> that, but Jamie and him are interesting because they're both like the Hound's a little different, but they're both like you feel they're the Hound's different because he is like you. Everybody said like this. This scene was so powerful because you know he was like a sociopath and a killer at the beginning. But from the beginning, maybe the first couple scenes, but he's still projecting there. Like he he has been this. You you felt his morality gears turning from the beginning. Like he like all that stuff with Sansa, you know, and Little Bird, and it's heartbreaking. Then mm-hmm. you're like he just wants to be a better person, but he doesn't think he can. And he doesn't think he deserves it, and that's what yeah, his whole story. And he doesn't been. actually even know how. It's a he's like Frankenstein's and, monster. He's well, that yeah. level of tragic. And the, yeah, the where he, no one ever it, told him how to be a good person. It's like the, he was just sort of cast out. And there. really, what the whole problem was that nobody told, gave him permission to be, and said it's okay. You can. It doesn't matter what you've done. You can still. And that's what Ian McShane did. And Ian McShane dies, and he goes and, does, and he runs into Barrett, and Barrett tells him the same thing, exact same thing Ian McShane did right at the end of last season. He's like. It's not, and he tells him this episode too. He's like, "It's not too late for you, dude. You can do it." And I love it yeah, because, because it finally came home. This is the perfect point because, like, you can't change anything you've done, right? Like, that's the the interesting, and we and we see this in other stories too. Like we were talking about, like Star Wars, where the guy like used to be a stormtrooper, and they're like, "Well, you're a good guy now," because there's no sense in limiting you to the things that you have done when there's more that you can do. I mean. That's not saying that that you shouldn't be held accountable for your your past actions, but you can't change them. So I don't want to hold you back from doing something good because you did something bad before. Like that's an interesting lesson about about life that they're saying. Like you don't want to be a bad person, stop being a bad person. Right. Don't use the momentum of past sins to say that you can't do anything good now. Right. And I I like that message well, I, coming from such a cynical show as well, this yeah, one, well, especially. So, yeah, so, but I love it too because if you think about it, when he's tried to do good in the past, it, the form that takes is in the form of what he knows, which is violence. Like he fights for people. Somebody, you know, Ian McShane get killed, he protects them, or he goes up and kills the people. And that's how we see him being a good person, through violence. He's like, those guys are my friends, so I'm going to kill them. And they, but this is the first time we see him ever do I mean, I can't remember, but this must be the first time we see him the action that he takes and when the breaking, I, like what I'm, well, I think the hound broke in this episode. That's my point. You know what I mean? And the point is when he goes out to bury yeah. those bodies, it's like not an act of violence. It's a total act of surrender and feeling like admitting what happened and trying to live up to it. Yeah. Right. And an act of contrition. And then him saying a, a that, legitimate right, and then him contrition. saying that I, you know, whatever you were good people and you didn't deserve this, it's heartbreaking. You're like, he gets it. And he's, he's like making atonement for that. And he understands what happened. 
and he's saying that's okay. Uh, he's accepting it, and he's allowing himself to kind of absorb it. And I was like, that's such a cool thing because this is the first time we've seen him do that and actually not just kind of react. So I'm really excited for his character. Like, if he's actually getting towards actualization, you know, not because before people. He would he would start to soften, and people Arya or whoever Ian McShane would say, "Hey, you're actually a good." They all saw it in him, like you're not a bad person, really. And he'd be like, "Shut up, you cunt!" And all this stuff. You're like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa!" It's like, "Stop doing that! Stop saying that!" Yeah. It's like, it's like just. And he's like, but now it feels like he. I mean, he's still doing it in this episode, and they're like, "Oh, just, just look in the flames!" And I'm just surprised he did it. He's like, "Fine, I'll do it. Whatever." Like he's, they're wearing well, off that's the him. willingness to believe, yeah. isn't it? Like that, that's a sort of spiritual awakening too. It's like you're not going to see it if you're not looking for it, right? So that that is an act on his part to actually to give up on that sort of iconoclasm that's been part of his his character to say, "All right, okay," and that's when he's saying that stuff to 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 Beric. He's not saying, "Yeah, but what makes you so great?" Like he's being sarcastic. I mean, he's seen it happen. Yeah, so and he's, he's saying, actually wants it. He's but trying. why? Like in earnest, like why you? He's Honestly. trying to figure out the world. Like he like, knows it exists, and he's like, "What is going on?" And I want you know, like that's what I'm saying though. He actually is longing. To, that's the difference between like I guess the bad characters and the good characters in Game of Thrones is like the good characters. It doesn't matter what they did at the beginning or where they are. It's like their willingness to try to figure out a better way and grow. And hit him and like he well, wasn't storytelling because that's yeah. static versus dynamic characters. Like Cersei, no matter how she changes, the same thing. as far as She's her circumstances, thing. she has never learned a thing on the show to right. this day. But that's who her character is. That's not badly written, but that's the tragedy of Cersei. Just like just like Tywin was. Just like Joffrey. Like they, none of them would have ever been able to learn because if Tywin were dynamic, he would have come home and he would seen that Tyrion had had the service that he had done to the kingdom and that would have changed his outlook. But instead he's like, well, no, let's just get him out of the way and we'll go back to, cause I never liked him anyhow. But it's the perfect, like, that's and, a static and, character. And it's the perfect kind of change that we always talk about. It's like, that we talk about, I guess, I mean, it's like passive and active storytelling. Again, we'll, we said this a million times, the passive is having a Rick in The Walking Dead or somebody go, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to talk about it for a while and not really make a decision and get pulled into a situation. Whereas what you want to see is characters like the Hound have these feelings and maybe have regrets but make decisions and say, this is how my, what my psyche says I should do now. Or this is what I'm doing. I understand what he did. But the whole point is that he keeps making mistakes, and he under, he's he's dealing with it. And this is like a these char- those character moments are real cool because you can see people learn from it. You know what I mean? You see people, you see John and people learn from it. You know, John got stale in a little while, a couple seasons in there because he was the same person. But now you see him becoming a better leader and becoming like he being very resolved. You know, like even Sans is doing that stuff, and he's like, no, this is why this is important. I'll tell you why, and I said it, <laughs> and this is why. And then he he was right. But he was right in that moment because he got those little kids up there and they swear. And it's like, no, that was a good decision. Well, that puts the face to it because it's like, I love that because like, yeah, I, on the outside, you say we shouldn't, you know, suffer these traders to, to remain they're in place. Right there, the so traders you're talking really about, are, cold. <laughs> they're these, they're kids, man. I mean, if, if we're not going to try to rebuild with that younger generation, then, then we're basically trying to have generations long enemies. And we can't afford that even in the short term, but we certainly can't afford it in the long term. And that's the thing that I get mad at Sansa. It's not that, like, this is, she's a fictional character, okay? So it's not me getting mad at her. I just want her to be, like, 
And I, but that's part of her journey, maybe this whole time, and she's coming up with that's part of her point of this thing, and she's speaking more, and maybe that's just how she speaks more. And the that's everybody's done this, you know, well, on the rise. That's her yeah. self actualization. Like, it's like she's trying to stand up for herself and her ideas. And, she, and if I was mad that she didn't do it before and complain about it, but she did this time, then I have to give her credit. It's like, well, that is change. You're getting better, but maybe not then. It's like maybe. <laughs> yeah, you just need to pick your spots better. Like I, I appreciate your position, but, but just not in front of every damn body. Right. It's like the first thing I've said is king, and you're cutting my dick yeah. off in front of people. I'm, I'm just, just saying. saying. <laughs> like, I'm just saying. Let's let's get together on our message, because honestly speaking, like, John should try to embrace Sansa. And because there's no good explanation to say, well, now I'm, you know, the king of the north and the women can't speak. It's like he could, as a good leader, well, say, well, scene, actually, Sansa the- is the heir to Winterfell the same as I am. And and what she has to say matters. Like, so let's maybe they'll do that. Maybe that. They'll do but in that. that situation, he wasn't able to do that because, like I said, you kind of just kind of just emasculated me in front of everybody. And now I, I got it. Like, this is a shaky room. This right. isn't the room where we want to look like we're not sure about what our message is. So I got to I gotta assert well, myself what, here. But that's what's so... And he did, because he brought it back, because everyone was cheering. He brought, like, he brought them up and got them to vow their loyalty. And so he's strong and he's merciful all in one stroke. Yeah, and, but that's what's so amazing about that scene, though, because that scene is kind of annoying. And what he does is something amazing. And then you're still kind of disappointed in the songs of writing there. But then after that, she it's an incredible scene, because she really... She has the best moments in that scene after because she's not being petty. She says, you're really good at this, right? And she says all that stuff. And, like, she's she's admitting her mistake, admitting those things when talking about it. But then they're supposed to get to, to be petty in this. So you have to you have to read that that's just immaturity in both those characters. They both are, like, sniping at each other, you know. like. Well, and there's a sibling. I like to see that because I like to see a little bit of a sibling right. rivalry because they didn't have a very strong sibling relationship. Think, the best thing about them being reunited like this is they understand the value of family having been separated. I think we're just so worried about Sansa. Like, please don't, like, like don't drag, be dumb. You've got drag her into melodrama <laughs> into Andrea territory. Whatever you know, you've come like, so far. Like, I think at this point, I need to see like Sansa yeah. needs to be the one to take down little. That's finger. what I mean, though. It's like next time, and then she kind of takes over, and John goes out to fight, you know, and then she's like the queen of Winterfell. That'd be amazing. And she's, you know, I think she would be good. I think she could get good because she's really just doesn't feel confident in herself in a way that she's still always. Everything she does with John and those reactions, like, well, I got ideas. It's like, no, you do. You're fine. Do it. Yeah, no one's saying yeah. you don't, but we just have to have a forum for things. That's all. Have a little powwow, you know? <laughs> Huddle. Yeah, just get together. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, if you don't have something to say in the huddle, then don't be calling plays in the, in the middle of the when we're already on the field. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, but I do like I do think she's really smart. And I, it's just it's weird if they if they get through these these episodes and the whole seasons and next year, and then it's like, oh no, she was just kind of struggling. You know, they're both struggling. I was like, God. it's more. <laughs> I don't think it's necessarily what we saw is bad. It's just more like. <sighs> Please don't get her. I don't want her to be like that. You know, get. I want her to be strong by the end of the season and be like. I don't want her. Littlefinger yeah. thing is boring. Well, she, and like that's we see it coming a mile miles away. Well, and it's like because what Littlefinger thinks is he's like, look, this is fine. John is here now. I can't say anything. But at some point, like you said, he's the kind of king that's going to lead his people into battle, and Sansa's going to be here. 
and trying to maintain order. And I'm trying to get on her, not necessarily good side, but I want her, I want to plant that seed now so that I have some kind of influence on her when, you know, he's not Little around. Little is kind of one of the disappointing loops of this entire kind of saga. The, he's got because annoying. for a while because like he had this one thing note. going on you're like what's happening he's got this plan and then he disappeared for like two seasons and you're like what is going on he was always so smart in season one he's a badass he's like can you know he manipulates the entire thing and it's like whoa i mean not in a good way but it like in like oh my gosh he's really smart and he has all that I mean, even at the point is pete like gets with sansa there and then they he marries the lady of the veil all that stuff is like whoa 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 and then it's like all that was just so you could have an army that would presumably help because of the Boltons. You wouldn't even have known that would have happened. You know what I mean? It's like a weird situation that you wouldn't have known. You Like, you can't give him credit for that because that's not something you could have foreseen. And it was like, and now he's just kind of sitting around. I was like, and then, so when it says, he said, I wish nothing more than my bridge should be on that Iron Throne. It just seems really sad and funny because it's like, where are you? You're not even, you're like furthest from that right now. You know what I mean from the well, Iron I think Throne. I do give him credit because because the the, the veil was chosen very strategically because he's like I want to in, insinuate myself into that because that's impenetrable. Like that may not be the best army in the world, but nobody's ever going to invade. So that's like a good position for him to have. And now I think the game's just gotten out of control. Like. Early on, when it was like him versus Varys, and they're like, we're just scheming and scheming. It's like, it's past that, man. Everything's out of control now. So he did grab, he did grab himself up some some power and land when he had the opportunity, but it didn't he did work that, out but quite I mean, the way he wanted. Varys is winning that battle. Like, look who he's with now, and look who, you know what I mean? Like, because he, he was flexible. Yeah, we got dragons. Well, he, Varys is so interesting because he understands talent. He understood Tyrion. That was his defining well, And he achievement. also understands somebody who has the, the the temperament to rule like that's why like he wasn't just looking for people who were smart enough or strong enough like someone that would actually be a good ruler when this is all said and done you actually want to have a king that makes for a, a you know a happy people well, that's just that so makes crazy for a prosperous kingdom. yeah like the bald conniving eunuch that everybody's so worried about and nobody trusted and everybody's telling him not the spider like, he is literally the most well-intentioned character in this show. It's been for the sense. The conscience of the entire He doesn't care about himself. I mean, obviously he's not dumb and he's putting himself in positions of power, but also how it also, he doesn't ever connive and get there. It's like what, what Littlefinger always is doing is like, but I should be there and I'm going to like, I like how various just shows up. Remember like Daenerys and them are there like, Oh, Tyrion's there now. I can just show back up. (laughs) He's like, okay, sure. So now he's there. Get like, but he's never done anything. He didn't do anything evil to get there. So I mean, everything he's done is to try to position power to be under you know somebody that actually deserves it. That's what's so interesting about seeing going back to season six and seeing the, those scenes at the end, and then the Daenerys and Tyrion scenes are really kind of touching. You know where they, she names him hand to the queen and stuff. You're like this is it's such a cool thing because everybody's mm-hmm. after power and. Even John and them up there reacting to so much trauma that's happened to their life, and they're even battling this thing. But all those people want her to be queen because they believe in her, you know, and they think she would be good and not some crazy. And they spent <laughs> six seasons trying to prove how anti-slavery and anti-you know cruelty she is. So it's it, it is interesting. It is that it is such a good side versus that's just pure. 
Cersei has no allies now, and it's all, you know, these. It's it's just interesting, and it's interesting to see those characters, like you said, Varys, Littlefinger, and Cersei haven't changed. Varys hasn't changed. Littlefinger hasn't changed, and Cersei, but they've all are in three different, really different situations now. Mm-hmm. It, it's fun to see how it's it's coming to, together as a, an unlikely morality play, because like you. Said, you said the people who have compassion, the people who actually do have more of the, the, the temperament to be good rulers, they're the ones who are starting to come out on top. Like, Cersei has alienated almost everybody. Right. So it's very difficult for her because, like, yeah, right now we have, and that's what, that's what Jamie's trying to say. It's like, sure, the Greyjoys, let's call them our allies, <laughs> all right, for this moment. And... Let's say that you're right, and we'll be able to predict the exact moment that they try to turn on us. <laughs> but that's not much of an advantage for us, because we need, first of all, lasting alliances with people, because we need to be able to take power and keep it. Yeah, I think this is your, I think you're seeing Jamie's last season at King's Landing. Well, I think the f- perfect thing here is now that, like, he's always going to come back to Cersei for sentiment. So what you need is you need a rival suitor. Like if she's going to marry this guy to, to for power, that's probably the end for Jamie's. Like forget it then. There's no reason now that we can't be together. And you're, like, yeah. Anyone who would have said anything about it, who we could not care at this point. He's going to go off and battle like the first little wave of that. I mean, the season we see the trailer of him try, fighting that battle, but it looks like against the dragons and stuff. I don't think he's going to die. I think he might live to the end. This is like. I hope so. But. I want to see what They're all going to get wiped out and maybe he's prisoner just escapes or something. You know what I mean? And then he hears that they got married. You're like, yeah, screw this. I'm just not coming back. Like, I see that happening. Like, he's just like, I don't know. Yep. Well, because we, like, we've always said the heart of their relationship is that he has this sort of authentic, what he thinks is authentic romantic love for her. Right. And she can't do that for anybody. I mean... She has like, no he access would, would remain to chaste for her. You know what I mean? Right. Like, but she would sleep around with anybody for any reason. She didn't care. Well, she's so unhappy. Like, so she you doesn't. Watch, it's so incredible. Like, I mean, Haley does such a good job. If you watch, you know Cersei. You know everything that's happened. Go watch that first episode. She's the same character, and she's like so unhappy. And immediately, Tyrion's great. The kids are great, and Jamie's actually he's Jamie's a jerk and takes it like rotten to John and them. But he's charming. Like, he's not, he's not, like, he's not um, Joffrey level, you know what I mean? Like, I kind of like, this. like, you mm-hmm. feel like there's something that, just because he has respect for Tyrion, you know what I mean? And Tyrion's gallivanting and stuff, but you just, like, they're charming, they have charisma, but they're kind of being, actually, you know, Tyrion's addicted to the, the right at first to the uh, Starks as well, you know, to Theon, who you don't even know at that point, so it is kind of interesting, and then, um, but Cersei's just mad, like, just so unhappy, all every scene, she's worried about stuff, like, it's... So that that is an interesting thing because every and he goes through all the seasons and all the stuff and him being locked up and then it shows the him with the blackfish and talking to um Edmure, capture it and he's like I love my sister that might sound funny but he's he gives this really great impassioned speech and he gets back there at the end and the beginning this is the first time they've talked and it's just like she's not even thinking about him she doesn't care you know she's not just like in yeah. her own room that's why he's like can we just have like quality time a little QT, like a little dinner or something she's like we will have she's just pacing around that map all hours of the night like we will have it it'll be mine 
So, well, we see this, you know, uh, what we saw at the end of last season, and we see it now. Is like people are like, well, the only thing Cersei loved were her kids, and now with uh, with them gone, she's a monster. It's like, well, actually, though, she made choices that led to her children all being gone. You know, like she, and and I think we've talked about this when it happened. Is like that sort of betrays the fact that she never had any legitimate love, like a selfless love for these kids, just as extensions of, of herself is, is how she loved them. And when, like, even now, she's like, well, you know, he still betrayed us. Well, yeah, she said that. Like, and then, he, and then, and then the other season, like, too. What are you talking about? Jamie gets back. <clears throat> it was before that. Maybe before when he goes off, before he goes off or something. They had that conversation. And she's like, well, the kids, we've had two kids. When he comes back from the beginning of season six, when he comes back from Dorne with, you know, with what's her name's dead. And she's like, and he's like, well, we still have a son. He's like, it all happened. She's just like blames it. She starts talking about that prophecy and she just blames it on that. Mm -hmm. It's like, it doesn't have anything to do with you and your actions and the stuff you've been doing. It's like, no, it's just this prophecy. It'll happen anyway. Don't worry about it. He's like, what? <laughs> Jamie, it's just, it's just craziness, and that, yeah, I do like that how she immediately is like, he's a traitor. He's a he betrayed us. I was like, what are you talking about? That was the one. I know what a terrible Cersei's person. On, you are. She's off the handle this year because that was always the one thing that angered her. Right, is that her one bit of humanity is that she loved her kids, and when you still had a couple kids that were good, that kind of made sense, right? And you're like, well, which we now see that's the self delusion. That's. The one thing that made her appear human was the thought that she really loved her kids. And now you look at it and you're like, well, she really didn't even well, do she that. Well, Facebook loved her kids. So, and I was like, oh, my kids. Like, you're like, yeah, right. You're not doing anything with them. You just you yeah. like the idea well, of yeah. having kids. <laughs> you, would, you wouldn't love your kids running off somewhere and being happy where you never saw them again. Right. You you love having them around. You want you want to dress them up and have, and have them be your kids. You want to make them... Kings. If you loved your kid, you wouldn't want him to be king. Right. That's one thing right there. The last thing you would want is that. And that's sort of Jamie's thing. Like, we could just run off places. We don't have to have any of this. But she would never be able to do that because that's her primary goal. That's that's her drive is this power and wealth. Right. Like, the people around her aren't of any value. So that we see that now because she doesn't even have that illusion. And to some point you have to think she probably doesn't even have that illusion of herself anymore. Yeah. Which makes her even more dangerous because if a person thinks that they have some kind of ties to humanity, that may still at least temper their their decisions. But she doesn't even have that self-delusion anymore. So she could do – she's capable now literally of anything. Right. That's what's so interesting. We'll see what, you know, I don't know. <clears throat> yeah, that'll be interesting to see the whole, how it plays out. Because, well, it, this this episode is so great because the the ends with, you know, Daenerys comes to Dragonstone, and that is important for so many reasons. First of all, it's her original birthplace, you know, but it also shows you they've landed. They are they are here now. They're not crossing the sea or whatever. They yeah, they that's are a great here. Scene. I love how there's no dialogue in that entire scene until the end. Yeah, it's a great. Well, and you see, she has that little planning table too. So you get to see it's it's you know it runs parallel to the like Cersei. They're plan they're repainting the map. I guess presumably to keep track of their current alliances or whatever. I don't know why we have to paint a brand new map. 
But then you have Daenerys shows up, and there's this just ancient that's this, str- that's, strategy table that's that we saw Stannis, Stannis using it, but, but Stannis <laughs> didn't build it. You know, it. like it was there already. <laughs> that's the difference. They need to they need to disinfect that that area before they do that again. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is funny how we see like Dragonstone in that in season, and we just see like that room. I guess we see a banquet hall, and then we see the prison. But you never because we never see connecting rooms. We don't ever think of it as a place. It's just an abstract place where Stannis is. Mm-hmm. And now you see like oh the throne room and it goes into this room and it goes and you're like oh it's like a like a kingdom of its own. I was thinking about that about, too. Is yeah. like why does why does I mean yeah they want to get rid of you know Cersei and all those people. She wants to be the Iron Throne, but wouldn't they just? I guess King's Landing is a city though, because that is the ancestral home of the Targaryens. That's where they first came and that's where they were. Like yeah, like the the metropolis, like the centralized capital of Westeros, is King's Landing. You have to control that. You to have say to go there. And I guess like Castle Rock, and they come to that. So, um, everybody, yeah, everybody has their little keeps that are very defensible. If you had to fall back someplace, like Castle Rock or like the Vale and all that, but if you want to say that you that you run the Seven Kingdoms, then you have to you've got to grab King's Landing and hold it. But I love that scene, and like, I mean, it's it's just a cool location, and it's like cool effects, and they open that big gate, and there's a huge walkway up to it and stuff. You really see it, and they go in there, and she's. T- and it's like, it's like seeing these two characters that you've seen the whole show, and you finally see them in a scene together. That's what when you see them at Dragonstone, you're like, this is real now. I mean, because with full grown ta- dragons, yeah, because it's taken so long, and like now they're at an actual place. Like Dragonstone has dragon like estuaries underneath it and stuff they have like a bunch they're like oh this is some sweet digs they can go under there and like sleep and you know what i mean they had dragons there though they have they have mm-hmm. facilities for that now you know they have all those things that it's very interesting um and they're literally they're the closest to king's landing of anybody they're right there if you look at the map dragonstone is very near to king's landing um so that's that must be where what's his name is headed you're on right to I, I think, think he's going to yeah, bring her back if like he's trying to, snakes or something. I feel that conflict could be a weird B story. I feel like his goal is to bring her Tyrion's head. But he's not going to get to them, though. I think he's going to get to, like, the Sand Snakes and the Dorn is on the outside peripheries of that army. Uh, well, let's hope we don't spend too much time on that, because those two fighting each other is just two negative things canceling but each it, other but out. Tyrion's I don't care about any of those. I, don't, I mean, so... Well, no, but I think that that... I think when he says I'm going to bring you a sweet present, I think that's I think what, he's that's what he means. About. But I mean, I think the, the I I think we're going to see Euron and her together or something at some point. Maybe that would be interesting. I just don't want to see. I mean, the only thing that happened for Cersei is that, or she dies because she just sits there brooding the yep. entire season. It's not going to be fun. The only other thing he could be talking about from the books. I mean, I guess this is a book spoiler, but they're so past that. Just in case anybody's keeping track, but he supposedly had like a horn or something that could control dragons i guess yeah he said like i they haven't introduced that in the show at this point and i kind of thought maybe they wouldn't because it's kind of a dopey idea but i don't know if maybe they'll explore that idea that as a MacGuffin, that's the one thing that they could have that would actually help them yeah they usually can practically defend against those dragons they they set up magic so far in advance though if they're gonna do it like even with like the dragon eggs, they talk about them forever, and then they're there forever. And and I think it's a, a kind of a silly MacGuffin. I mean, at this point, like we know that that Brandon might have some ability to control dragons. That that's 
important and that's well established. Well, one thing we didn't mention and, that, uh, that actually John was probably actually a Targaryen by blood. Well, he is. We saw it. Yeah. Well, we didn't but, see Targaryen. They haven't confirmed that on the show yet. She whispers to him and then she whispers, "You don't hear the first part. You hear the last part, which says he can't find out. He'll he'll never, you know, he'll kill him. So don't let him find out. So you, they they bleep out, they mute out the part where he says it's Rhaegar's. But we know well, it is. I just can't think <laughs> so, at this point in the show you're saying anything other than that. There's no reason to preserve a mystery at that point. But but yeah, so that means he may have some kind of connection to the dragons. Yeah, but that. But yeah, Cersei and them have absolutely nothing that they could say that gives them a practical advantage over dragons. So that's the only reason I could think that they might still want to introduce that as a concept. But I just, I think that's a, it's a bit silly. Maybe yeah. they'll work in something similar to that. That's that we've already sort of that that speaks to something we've already seen established in the show. Well, they're the big. They're the big. That, like, I, um, I mean, they're the big unknown going into like predictions for this season. Like they're the big unknown just because. I mean, we've seen him in one battle, but we've seen him against, like, in that scene, they are throwing these fireballs at the city, which wouldn't have hurt the dragons. Like, what happens if you target a dragon? You know what I mean? It almost got killed in a smaller Drogon did, and they are stabbing it. So, well, and we know they can kill them. They fought Targaryens. Yeah, but it's just how much, had how much, like, because now they're the size of freaking jet air, like, 47s a Drogon is. So it's like, huh? Well, and we've seen him just rip a, a navy to pieces. So if that's all you guys have to play, you can burn. Like that's what happened in Harrenhal because the dragons just burned it out, right? So it's like you can burn a castle yeah, down, burned it down to glass. Um, so that's that'll be interesting. Just see if to see if what that's what happens if her vision comes true. You know, she's in the throne room and it's snowing, but it's all like the, the roof is burnt out and everything. Yeah, it seems like they're gonna go after Castle Rock. Because it it like it really does weird. It, it does seem weird. Like it shows in the trailer that uh, Yara is like, we need to, to hack him. And I was like, yeah, you probably should just go. They could just waltz into King's Landing right now, right? I mean, but they at this point, yeah, they came up. They got their army. They got their dragons. They now have their position. They probably won't do that first thing, but they certainly could. But maybe the argument is that they need to go if they get Castle Rock. They can. They can. They're already with the Tyrells, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, because, it, so, it would seem so, yeah. So they can't be overtaken by a force from there at all either. And then it's like, I don't know, they don't have any army. All they have is the Lannister army and then Euron, right? So, I don't know. That'd be interesting. We'll see. I mean, they didn't... What, what's cool about this is they might have been setting up pieces, but she's there. She's a few. She's like 50 miles from King's Landing now. <laughs> right, yeah, it's on We're, now. Like yeah. it's there. They're not. We can't gonna... get into too many other intrigues. Uh, this is the story. And we only now. have six episodes left, so they're not going to be wasting yeah, any so... time. They're, they're, I think every episode's going to be pretty good. I mean, next episode might be the the one like. We're gonna get some a lot of big things happening. I mean, even uh-huh. just it started with Arya wiping out River Run, like they're gone. All of the <laughs> yeah, I'm not River Run. I'm sorry, from the, the um, twin. The yeah, twins. so it's like. She got all the phrase, all the males. <laughs> so it's like, uh, that's a that's a very strategic position to have. If somebody gets it right. So I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen. What do you What do you think? Before we go, what do you think is gonna be the big like? What there's two things. There's the Game of Thrones and there's the White Walkers. 
what do you think is going to happen? You think it's still what we think it is that they're going to do this this year, and then next year is the White Walkers? Yeah, I mean, we may see some stuff, but the White Walkers has got to be the final act. You know what I mean? That's that's the big threat everything's building to. So, what you want to see in what I want to see by the end of this season, and this is what we said before, is the compelling story to me is at the end of this, all of these forces are going to have to team up. Right. Like, on one side, you could You're see, see a like, Hound and Brienne reunite, re- reunion, which can be awesome. You're like, hey. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I still want to see Hound versus Mountain. Well, you might. You're gonna like, get uh, that probably at some point. But we're gonna get to see Arya and Hound reunion. You know, so I think that's gonna be neat. I want the Hound to reunite with all these people. Now he's a good person. <laughs> but you do want it to be a sort of battle of five armies, where once they get together, at something's gonna happen, where they all are made to realize at once that there's a larger threat than all of them. Because what what would what could happen? Well, that's the only thing that could, it, to a lesser degree, would be we just see the the end of the the human fight and whatever these final conflicts between them will be sorted out. Like Cersei will be defeated or however that plays out, and then whoever is left at that point is going well, to have to deal with the White con- They threat. could happen in concert though, too. You know that together because you could imagine like. If if John, go- that's what I think would be more interesting. If John yeah. goes down. I think he is because there's a scene of him like on that same beach, right, on the picture of it or something, or like a like from the trailer. There's a thing of him walking on that same beach where she on Dragonstone. Um, so if he goes down there and th- they don't know that situation right now, White Walkers, like is I mean her, I mean Tyrion thought that was just a bunch of horse crap. So like now that he's like no 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 I know what she's told me but it's it's actually very real <laughs> so but they're they're not a they're a morally you know responsible force so she's not going to go we have to beat these people now they might split their forces and that might make some kind of issue you know what i mean they're like well the unsullied are going to go up there and try to or the dothraki or something no they're too cold for them maybe <laughs> the unsullied or somebody's going to go up there and help with that or something. And that's another thing that could happen. If they end up splitting their forces to address the White Walker threat, that could give Cersei the advantage that she needs because she's the one that's the least likely to care about there being a greater threat because her her petty motivations have always been what, what drive her. The idea that there's a greater threat to the rest of the world may not much matter to Cersei. Right. So that's interesting. That's um, be cool. I'm excited. See her become the Night Queen Once again. That's what I, I mean, want to see. Oh, happen. that would be great. Or hey, horrific, but that'd be perfect. I mean, I can't. I I love the episode. I thought it was cool. I mean, it's kind of weird getting back into it, but I, I you can't ask for anything more. The show and the scenes, yeah, it's good. Just setup. as good quality, scene for scene, as anything. You didn't like the montage yeah, as much. Exciting. That's okay. We'll deal with that later. Yeah, less poop. <laughs> I can deal with less poop. And then it's like, like more, more boobs. There's a point in there you're like halfway through the montage is like the soup is the poop, and you're like, okay, I get it, stop it now. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> like, what they're getting like, at. But it's like, but wait, I don't really need you guys now doing that. Like, they they keep me. going for a minute. You're like, I get it, I get it. But I also think it's cool. Yeah. Like, it, and if I from an outsider looking in, I could just recommend if you guys would just use different bowls for the soup yeah, and the, the poop. poop. Yeah. Like you'd be avoiding some of some uh, sooner or later disasters. Also, don't have your servers cleaning the way you guys are doing things. Servers, maybe have different people do that. You know, yeah, I'm just saying they don't have a whole different facility. You know, um, 
Yeah. But also, just one man's opinion. I'm not a health inspector, but what what I love about this. No wonder you're all <laughs> like you're all bedridden and diseased. Is this could be why? What I love about the point of this show too is that, like I said, it's quality, but also more than a bunch of other seasons. Like now they've established these things, and we kind of knew where they might be ending up after last season. Now that that's happened, they didn't waste any time. You're on talk to her. Okay, well, that's done. You know, Daenerys landed. Okay, that's done. All this other stuff established. John's established. That's done. All these things are kind of Arya killed those people. That's yeah, done. You're you like, got stuff to do now. What happens now? Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I really do not have no idea what happens next. So that's exciting. Yeah, that's exciting because it's got it. Because yeah, it, it, we're gonna get there at this point. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, good. So we'll be back with more as each episode unfolds. And As we are talking, we're still right now. We're still TV at my dinner. Oh yeah, um, you, we have our own link. We're still part of that RSS feed. So if you subscribe to TV at my dinner or go to TV at my dinner dot com, then you get this already. If you want to go to our Star Wars podcast, uh, Cloud City After Dark, that's actually a different feed, which hopefully very soon will be on iTunes. Yeah, we're gonna put some work into that now that we have a nice handful of little episodes to do it with. I have I have breaking and, news but, real quick as we were talking as uh-oh. we were talking, um, the creators of this show you know David Benioff and D B Wise they have announced their next project it will be a series at HBO called Confederate and listen to this <laughs> Confederate chronicles the events leading to the third American Civil War the series takes place in an alternate timeline where Southern states have successfully succeeded from the Union giving rise to a nation in which slavery remains legal and evolved into a modern institution. Oh that's like Man from the High Finally. Castle Civil War edition. That's weird. Well, hopefully they do it better because that Man from the High, that the show high Castle boring. Kind of that show me. is just boring. It was interesting, it was, but by the end of the first season, I just didn't care what anybody was doing. I didn't I find. I didn't believe the motivations of anybody on that. That show, show is all concept, and you start watching, <laughs> you're like, I don't understand even what these people care about. Yeah. <sighs> so, anyways, that sound that's these interesting. guys understanding characters, so that might be that's fun. Interesting. We're gonna. Uh, they they love jumping into it. They're gonna have to deal with a bunch of weird <laughs> racial think pieces at this point. That's yeah. I don't know why we I would jump into that after we couldn't introduce interest you guys in Watchmen. I was like guys, come on, really? You guys have a fantasy show about dragons, and you get these think pieces. Now we're gonna. That's that's gonna. That's yeah. Rats now you do of, a show <laughs> about modern day slavery. <laughs> oh my shit. Gonna be like the Handmaid's Tale, except people will actually watch. The it. announcement of this will get us think pieces. <laughs> that's what I, you know what I mean. Like that's the problem. All right. Oh, it will. <laughs> I mean. All right. So the, yeah, you got that. CloudCitySocial.club is where we do Star Wars stuff. ExpandingUniverse.club is where we do Star Wars blogs. TV8MyDinner.com is where you can listen to TV8 My Dinner and episodes of this show. You can also subscribe to TV8 My Dinner uh, through iTunes. You can follow us on, on Facebook and Twitter. You can also follow Expanding Universe is also on Facebook. And uh, we don't we don't have a Facebook specific to this. We, we just basically, we'd have to rebuild if we ever break this out. We, we follow TV Eat My Dinner off everything. We're an offshoot of TV Eat My Dinner. Yeah. So there's all that stuff. So, so keep an eye out for that kind of stuff. We've got a lot of content this summer like we normally do during summer. So we'll try to get it out in a timely fashion, especially for the show. But, uh, but yeah, until next time, my name is Sean. And my name is Andrew Stormborn. <laughs> Winter is here. <laughs>
I love that. Real quick, I love how that is. They just laugh. <laughs> They're like, he was right. Who knew? <laughs> they start chuckling. Like, That's awesome. And then the cut to black. Series over. No. <laughs> <laughs>